I, I will say, and this is something I think we had talked about in the chat a little bit. My director, who I report to just recently changed the previous one left to go become a CTO somewhere. And, um, the new guy that I report to asked me how connected I am to the code. Am I emotionally connected to the code? And I obviously, you know, I think we've talked about this on the panel. You were honest, right? You had to be honest. I I said, I'm so deeply emotionally connected to code. And um, what I appreciate so much is that he said, that's good to know. I wanted to know how much room to give you to have those feelings when it comes time to turn the platform off. And I was like, that's probably the most, (laughs) I was like, that's like the most emotionally intelligent thing I've heard a director say ever. (laughs) Yeah. I mean. It, it's like the parent who's sending their kid off to college. Yeah. I need my moments to break down and to know that I've got to let you go into the world and it's time for me to move on to another project to fill my time. And <laughs> you need some time to be emotional about those things. They're big life events hmm. for you. Letting your application go isn't going to be easy yeah. if you're tied yeah. to it. Welcome to Working Code. And now your hosts, none of whom have ever seen a failing unit test, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Okay, here we go. It is show number 39 for someday on the timeline that I stopped saying, so I'm not going (laughs) to include the date. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about Ben's future at Envision. He's kind of indicated he's got some feedback lately he wants to discuss. So we're going to go there. But first, as usual, we're going to start with our triumphs and fails. And Tim, it's your turn to go first, buddy. What do you got? I mean, can, is there something between a, a triumph and a fail? Can I just stay status quo? Now, this week, we've been dealing with a, a lot of non-technical issues, been some legal issues, stuff going on that I've had to get involved in. So nothing I can talk about in public, unfortunately. But when, I, even if I could talk about it, I probably wouldn't. It's just not worth it. So but, yeah. So it's kind of a so, status so quo. So fail, life has been boring lately. <laughs> I mean, I'm, the things that keep me going is in between all these meetings I'm having to have about this different stuff is I'm grabbing bits of code and steadily refactoring the project that I've been refactoring. And I'm pretty much almost done now. So pretty pleased with that because it went a whole lot easier than I thought it was. So I'm happy about that. But yeah, just overall, this week's been kind of meh. But the refactor is on the pro- the problem you talked about before with the yep. vendor who you're having yep. to basically change off, right? Yep. Yeah. So okay. I'm, next week I'll just be testing all that, making sure everything, all the scenarios work and go live with it. I thought it was going to take me about two to three months, but it's actually taking me just a, about three, four weeks. So. Oh, nice, nice. Hey, Ben, did you hear that? Tim's going to test his code. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's nice to have so much free time. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Shots, fired. Shots fired, dude. I just said I'm how I missed you last week. Jeez. <laughs> Carol, Carol, heart, get us out of this. Heart. Get us out of this. Your turn. Man, I, so I am at a triumph and failure point. Previously, I talked about starting up a blog and I went through GitHub pages and actually started it and no. it's out there. It's pretty much a, it's carol242.github.io. It is, uh, I have a hello world page. <laughs> So, but the failure to it is that I've stopped. My kid got sick. Everyone around us has COVID. We're all quarantined. It's just been a hell of a two weeks on our plate. And it just totally set me back. And I didn't want any extra stress on me. So I just, I stopped working on it. So I will get back to it, but I feel that it's a failure because I let life kind of get in the way and stop working on life it. Life has a but way of doing it's that. It's coming. 
Mm. It does. It does. And I don't want to be stressed out if I get COVID from the kids. So I would much rather be at a nice, comfortable spot and not have anything extra on my plate. So. You haven't stopped. You just paused. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It, it'll come back. So does, I started it. It doesn't count Woo! as a stop until you actually fully get started. <laughs> this is true. Wait, we had set a deadline of September 1st yeah. for Carol to have a Hello World post. And it is August 29th at the time of this recording. So I feel like that's a pure triumph. She came in to several days. I don't know. What is it? 31 days in August? Listen, it literally says, hello world. That's all we asked. I'm hosted with GitHub pages. Yo, you nailed it with days to spare. (laughs) Hey, then I guess my failure is now triumph. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Yeah. What about you? I've got a fun fail this week because it was a a big fail, but I have absolutely no idea why it happened. So here's what happened. I deployed some code and it had a typo in it, a typo that I had previously seen and thought I fixed. But I think what ended up happening was I forgot to push that commit to the pull request. And so it got deployed without the typo fix. And as a result, all of the data in our setting table for something like eight or 11 or whatever out of our 13 customers was truncated. Like the entire setting table just got truncated. Yeah. And And, (laughs) excuse me. And I didn't know about it for like an hour and a half. Now, fortunately I was able to recover pretty quickly. We had like just recently done an export from production and deployed that as the latest database on QA. So we had that, like, it was real simple to go over and like select all this data, as insert statements and recreate them in production real quick. But not only did we have like an hour and a half with no settings. So there was just the whole website looked weird, right? Like, so you log into the admin area and there's nothing on the sidebar because the sidebar is dynamic (laughs) to show you things that only to only show you things that you have access to. So that sidebar was empty, but There were other things like the system has things that it does on scheduled jobs and and like email was scheduled to go out and that sort of thing. And there were two email, like mass email messages that managed to get modified during this period with the setting table empty. And as a result, because the, the application couldn't tell what sort of like mode the system was in, because that's one of our settings, it defaulted to what we call uh, test mode. So we went through all the paces of like sending that email. We rendered it and sent it off to our email service provider. And the only thing that was different was we included a header that said, actually, don't actually send this to you, to anybody, right? No emails to any actual humans or inboxes. This is just a test. And so it did everything that it was supposed to do. And in some ways, this is a triumph, right? It failed hugely, but it failed gracefully, right? It did the best possible thing. Mm. So no messages actually. Right, not went now, out. in this case, we okay. would have rather those messages gone. That everything about them was fine. But yeah, we would have. We're happy that the system did something. You know, if it failed gracefully, but we would rather it just have not have failed at all. Now, get this. I went back and I looked at the code that had the typo. Of course, the typo was ridiculously stupid. It was uh, I had misspelled setting with only one T as like a variable name. And so, but I went and I looked at the code and here's what the code is doing. It's loading all of the settings. Like it's literally select the three columns, not star, but you can think of it as select star from (laughs) the table, the setting table. And that's it. No filter on it at all. And then it uh, uses cache put to put all those into the in-memory cache. That's the goal of that function. And it just runs it on startup so that the things that check individual settings on, uh, as the application is loading, each of those hits the cache which was filled with one database query instead of individual database queries for each setting. 
So in theory, a great addition to the code speeds up application startup. But, and that's it. It's like select star from the table, basically, and then a bunch of cache put calls. There's some try catch and there's like some string concatenation to, right. to get the cache key and that sort of thing. And that's it. And I have no idea. How the heck did it truncate I your am, data? There was that and one other thing went out in that deploy. And the other thing was like a CFM, a view change, right? Which right. wouldn't do it. Like, yeah. I have no idea. I am completely did it baffled. Pass your, did, it pa- did it pass your tests? <laughs> you had to go there. <laughs> Shots fired again. Uh, I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. Yeah. So it's just, it was terrible. It was a, it was a rough afternoon. It had some high points, some low points. And it, I just, if, if nothing else, I want people to realize like I've been doing this full time since roughly 2004. So coming up on 20 years. And it still happens to us, right? Like mistakes yeah. happen. Yeah. So, so oh. if you make that variable change in lower environment and test it, what happens? I haven't had Done the opportunity that to try that. Yeah, it was okay. like last thing okay. on on Friday. Yeah. So, because I, I oh. really want to know like what caused that truncate, and I want to know if it's duplicated, like if it's reproducible. I'm gonna say <laughs> duplicatable. I don't think duplicatable is a word. So sure, it <laughs> is. If it's reproducible, I'm, now I gotta know. you just coined it. Yeah. Hey, hey, it could be worse. I'm the guy who truncated every single table in a customer's production <laughs> database. High five, Tim. Yep. You get gold stars. Fortunately, there was a very recent backup. So duplicatable definitely is a word, so no worries there. Sweet. Sweet. I, I, there, there's always that moment of dread that I have, not always, occasionally, where I will get my pull request ready, I get it approved, I, I deploy it, and, and the way that stuff happens at work is you get, you work on a branch, you get your branch PR approved, then you actually merge your branch into the main branch using GitHub because locally developers are not allowed to push mm-hmm. to master. So you'll merge in GitHub and then I usually pull down master and, and delete the, uh, the merged branch locally. Yep. And every now and then I'll do that and I'll go to delete the merged branch and it'll be like, abort you have uncommitted changes and i'm like what <laughs> that was supposed to be in the Whoopsie. pr yeah Those are the worst. So your your uncommitted change hit yeah. a chord with me all right so that leaves you ben what do you got going on i'm gonna go with a failure and a failure that in, in some ways dovetails with the topic of the show which is that i've been putting in a lot of extra time at work lately which i typically don't like to do and i try never to do but I've felt compelled to do it through, no one's asked me to do it. So I want to put that out there from a cultural mm-hmm. standpoint, but I have felt compelled to put in extra time because I feel like I have so little time left working on my platform that like, it's like I need to get in as much value as I possibly can before we turn the lights out. And again, like no one's asked me to do this, but it just, there's this sense of ending that I'm, fighting and part of my fight and flight response is is to just try and cram as much junk into it as I can while I still have the opportunity to use everything that I know about the platform, right? It's a platform I've been working on for eight years. I'm not going to go to the modern platform and be nearly as productive as I am today. Mm-hmm. It's going to, I'm basically starting at zero mm-hmm. plus generalized programming understanding. And I'm like, like what tool do I have left in the box that I can jam into this legacy platform before, before I run out of time? It so, almost sounds like 
one last hurrah. No? Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like uh, I think about it sometimes. I, when I was a kid in middle school, we would occasionally have these drug seminars. And this woman came in and she was talking about the effects of, I think it was special K, ketamine mm-hmm. on the brain. I think that's the drug they were talking about. And she was saying that when you take this drug and you feel like your brain goes crazy, she's like, literally, that is your neurons dying. Wow. Yeah, and like as their last moment of life, they break open mm-hmm. and they release all the neurotransmitters. And like the high you're feeling is your neurotransmitters like soaking your brain. And I feel like that's a little bit the metaphor that I see. It's like my moments here on this platform are ending and I'm like <laughs> exploding and like trying to release as much value into the world around me as that's I thought. That's a sad can. metaphor, Ben. <laughs> Yeah, you, um, <laughs> I'm holding back tears right now. <laughs> Last dance with Mary Jane. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. It's tough. So I enjoyed the exploration of it. What can I do with the tools that I have? But definitely it's been eating into a lot of the other stuff that I like to do. And it's not been great for my just mentality in general. I'm yeah. feeling extra stressed. I've been having a lot of trouble sleeping. And uh, generally not a great feeling. It's a mix. It's a mixed bag. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I have a, I have a question I want to ask you, and I feel like we're just kind of going to bleed right into today's topic. So be- before yeah, we get sure, there, yeah, so let's just go with there, it, I just yeah. want to play this. What would you say you do here? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, before we get into stuff, I just want to apologize for the comment about testing that I made. <laughs> I've been feeling I've been feeling very guilty about it for the last five minutes. <laughs> oh, my my friend, you never have to apologize. I know you have n- no ill intent ever. All right, thank you, thank and you. we know you test your code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just not automated. Yeah. So the last time we talked, at least about this topic, I got a very different impression from you. You, it sounded like you were more confident that the legacy system was going to be staying around for at least a significant amount of time. And right now I'm getting the impression from you that you are way less confident in that. Yeah. So there's been a lot of developments and essentially we have a migration team that is, has been, their responsibility has been to move users from the legacy platform to the modern platform along with all of Mm -hmm. their data. That has proven to be a much larger challenge than I think anyone anticipated. And so what's happened is we've started to pull back on the expectation of what it actually means to move to the modern platform. So as we've, let's call, let's say cut corners, I, I don't want to say too much because a lot mm-hmm. of it is still in discussion, but let's just say that we're easing up on the fidelity of the migration sure. of people. And with that pullback and fidelity, there has become more of a real timeline on what it actually means for the end of life for the legacy platform to the point where they have actually started to attach a real date to it, which is, is early next year. Oh, wow. Whether or not we will actually hit that date, that's a question to be answered over the next however many months, but it was really the first time that they have put a date on it and not just been like a hand wavy Q2 of financial year 23, right. like that kind of talk. And I think that sort of. They've kind took of put a stake in the ground. Yeah. 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 And that made it more real. I, I've mm-hmm. sort of just not poo pooed the idea that the legacy platform will go away eventually, but like more, more like a, I'll cross that bridge mm-hmm. when I get to it. So why bother thinking about it? And it feels like that bridge is actually in seeing distance yeah. now. Right. And it like, it makes me panic a little mm. bit. 
Yeah, it's crazy when things come from this abstract view to now you see what's happening. Because yeah. we've worked on apps previously where it's like, oh, in the next five years, we plan to roll off. And the next year, it's in the next five years. And the next year, right. it's in the next five years. And, you know, and there's yeah, never and been historically, a that's date. what it's been for us. Yeah. So you didn't have to kind of actually process everything. And we never really had to deal with moving off because it was just some far-fetched idea that someone used to make it sound pretty. And we never thought it would actually happen. So you yeah. get hung up on those feelings when it's been your baby for so long. Mm. Yeah. So so historically, managers have always asked me, where do you see yourself at the company once the legacy platform ends? And for the most part, I just deferred on those questions. I'm like, I don't know. Who cares? Fair enough. Yeah. I'll figure it out when we get there. But now it's sort of a real question that I need to start thinking about. And I have no idea because... I like everything about what I do. I like the backend programming. I like the database stuff. I like the front end programming. I like to talk to customers. I like to be able to talk to customers and then make changes that they actually see. So I have that immediate feedback loop in terms of the value of what I'm doing. So to some degree, I feel like wherever I end up in the company will be fine. I'll be happy enough. And that can always evolve once I get there. But then on the other hand, I also feel like I don't know a lot about the modern platform. So it feels a little bit weird for me to even try to decide where I'm going to go. Like I almost, that sounds silly, but like I almost want to send out a resume (laughs) to the other teams at the company and be like, here's the stuff I'm really excited about. Like, who wants me? I mean, that that doesn't sound like a bad idea. Like, I actually like that idea and that approach to to help the other teams figure out where would be your next place to land. Because you have been so tunnel visioned on this one project and this one technology and this one application that they're going to see where your skills lie and what you would be best suited for. I I was going to say, I don't think you need to send out a resume, but maybe just like schedule a 20 minute meeting with them, have lunch with each department head or something like that. And have a conversation. One, one thing I've, I've learned about you over the years, Ben, I mean, I knew you I, I, coming in on this podcast. I, I've grown to know you. I feel a bit more and more yep. is I think you don't realize your own value. No, I agree with that. I think you undersell yourself and, and you're, yeah. you, whatever it is that you wind up doing, you're going to be good at you. You will get good at it. You won't be at first, but you will get good at it. You will I be mean, an you, asset. Yeah. yeah. You have a very, you have a process of breaking things down, figuring them out. Right. And so I, I don't have any doubt that you will succeed at wherever you go. The question is, it, do you want to drive that decision yourself? Right. And say, okay, I'm going to you know, talk to these different teams, find out what they do, kind of tell them what I like to do and see if there's a place there and they can kind of sell me on coming. Because, I mean, honestly, yeah. they, they should be begging for you to come to the team. And I bet you know. they will once they know you're right. on the market. <laughs> hey, well, for so hang a on, team Ben's going to have a checklist. Do you <laughs> use linting? Tabs or spaces. <laughs> right. So I'm, what I'm saying is you can either be proactive in this and say, all right, I'm going to decide where I'm going to land, or you can just be reactive and say, well, they'll put me somewhere and I'll figure it out, which right now it seems maybe a little fear. You just like, well, they'll stick me somewhere and I'll make the best of it. It's so tough. I mean, I think you're absolutely a hundred percent right. I undersell myself a lot. And I think that comes from a lot of imposter syndrome and a lot of, I, I think being a jack of all trades, master of none, I think also 
I, if you put me with the data science people, I don't know anything about data science. That'd be a mistake. <laughs> but like, if you put me with the database administrator people, I'm like, I love databases, but I don't know anything about administering. And like, and if you put me with the front end people, I'm like, I like building interfaces, but I don't know how to do all the razzle dazzle, drag and drop animation right. stuff. And like, you could put me with the back end people, and like, uh, that's probably my my strongest stuff. Maybe I don't know. But then like, I then at that same time, I don't know much about using a lot of the Amazon web service stuff that we actually use on the modern platform. You'll learn it so fast. You will learn it so quick. You'll be surprised uh, how quick you can pick that up. I I think I need to start putting a lot of that more stuff into my kind of independent learning time. Mm -hmm. So so Ben, let me ask you, do you think you are excellent at your job now, the the job you have now, do you think you're excellent at it? I think I'm, I think I'm pretty good. Excellent's yeah. a hard word for anyone to admit that they are. <laughs> you you okay. take ex- You think, I think I'm pretty good. Yeah. I think people can give me a task and I will get it done well. Yeah. And so all yeah. those skills that you have that allow you to be good at your job, you didn't start out being good at those, right? Right. You got there, right? And, th- and so what I'm saying is you say um, a jack of all trades, master of none. The reason is because that's what you needed to do the job you have now. You had to figure it out. So wherever you're shifted to or you decide to shift to, you're going to have a, you're going to have a gap, right? You're going to have some things and some things you don't. And you'll fill that gap, buddy. There's no doubt. No doubt you'll fill that gap. You just don't know what it is now. And that's scary. And And it's scary because not only am I moving from a legacy platform to a modern platform, but it's a complete shift, not only in terms of architectures going from a monolith to a distributed application, but it's a complete shift in terms of the technologies that I feel yep. very passionate about. I'm going from a cold fusion, Lucy CFML backend with an angular front end to a Golang backend and a React front end. And, and it's, it's, ah, it's yeah. just like, it's, it's so different. It's so many different things at mm-hmm. the same time. I mean, I feel you. I, I went through the same thing several years back when they asked me to move over to the payments side of the house. And I went from the same thing, a cold fusion, Lucy, Microsoft SQL database system to a monolith to a distributed Scala play framework, 15 different services. Some of it's in, you know, hosted internally. Some of it's in Amazon. I, I mean, that's was scary, but it's like, I, I actually, once I started learning, I'm like, well, I, I don't know why I was as scared as I was. It wasn't as bad as I thought. I, I think a lot of times the unknown kind of makes us, we are fearing things we don't even know about. And then once yeah. we learn about them, we're like, oh, none of the things I expected to go wrong went wrong. And some of the things I thought were go well, didn't. But right. so, I mean, each day brings its own anxiety. So worry yeah. about today, today. 100%. So to kind of add to what Tim said, the struggle I had with switching to Teams, switching technology was that I felt like I had become an expert in what I was doing. Not that I'm excellent, but that I was an expert in it, right? I could pick up a CF app and probably help you even if I haven't really looked at your code base. Like I could go through and give you some key information I knew. And I'm 36 years old and I've been doing this for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. And now I'm switched over to a whole new way of doing it. And I'm having to ask like 24 year olds, like, how do I go do this? Because you've been doing this for four years and you've got this under your belt. And I'm like, I go from being this expert in what I'm doing to wide eyed and completely lost in some of the steps that it takes. And that was a struggle for me to go from being top to not being top anymore. 
I was like, Ooh, I gotta be okay with saying, I don't know. And being okay that nobody expects me to Mm. know anymore. Nobody has that expectation that I'm going to get it day one. They know that this is all new and a complete flip and everything I've worked with. And that was hard. That was hard. (laughs) And I think dovetailing with that is to some degree, I've learned over just a long period of time of doing the same types of stuff to trust my gut when something feels wrong, right? Someone will propose an architectural choice and I can be like, that's not, that doesn't feel right. Let's dig into that and figure out why I'm feeling weird about the choice you're making. But when you switch to a new platform and a new language and a new paradigm, like I, I don't know if that gut feeling is just, this is all new or that gut feeling is you're still doing something weird and I want to talk about it, but it's like, now I have to second guess why I'm getting the feelings. Tingles. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I get it. I, I, I will say, and this is something I think we had talked about in the chat a little bit. My director who I report to just recently changed the previous one left to go become a CTO somewhere. And um, the new guy that I report to asked me how connected I am to the code. Am I emotionally connected to the code? And I obviously, you know, I think we've talked about this on the panel. You were honest, right? You had to be honest. I I said, I'm so deeply emotionally connected to code. And um, what I appreciate so much is that he said, that's good to know. I wanted to know how much room to give you to have those feelings when it comes time to turn the platform off. And I was like, that's probably the most, (laughs) I was like, that's like the most emotionally intelligent thing I've heard a director say ever. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. It, it's like the parent who's sending their kid off to college. Yeah. I need my moments to break down and to know that I've got to let you go into the world and it's time for me to move on to another project to fill my time. And <laughs> you need some time to be emotional about those things. They're big life events hmm. for you. Letting your application go isn't going to be easy yeah. if you're tied yeah. to it. It's going to hurt. I have mixed <laughs> feelings. Like <clears throat> on one hand I can relate, right? So you and I have been with our current companies at a pro- for approximately the same amount of time. I was mm-hmm. pretty much solo developing our product for the first like four plus years. And so a lot of that code is mine, right? There's a huge product here and it's, I can look mm-hmm. at that and say, I did that. Right. And so the thing that I have struggled with is letting other people work on it, delegating or just oh, saying like, so okay, that's going to be your part and you're going to be the the subject matter expert on that thing going forward. And I'm just going to have to be hands off. And that has been tough for me, but also liberating. So I, I, I can I say, and then this is a very unhealthy thing that I do is that when someone else needs to come in and start maintaining code mm-hmm. that I wrote, I have to a little bit be like, okay, that code is now dead to me. <laughs> Like that is your code now. And and it's, and it's a complete survival mechanism. You have to cut your ties. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise it's like too painful to see someone come in and start messing with the thing that I've. Yeah. In some ways I've thought, I have thought of this product and the the code that I wrote in it as like my baby, my child. And so that's why it's been hard to let it go. But the more I let it go and let somebody else own it, the, the, like I said, it's more freeing, right? It's less that I have to stress over being the subject matter expert over the entire application is incredibly stressful because then anytime anything breaks, everybody just kind of looks at you and yeah. being able to share that stage where, <laughs> you know, there's multiple people, people being looked at. It's so whatever, not relaxing, but it's anti-stress. 
Yeah. It's nice to feel like you have a team that yeah. you have someone standing by you when something happens. And if you keep all that to yourself, you don't get right. to have that. You don't get to have someone to help you when those things do happen. Yep. So, so now the other side of that coin, right? I said, I, I can kind of see where you're coming from on this, but for me, the other side of this coin is something, a, a piece of advice I got many years ago that I really, obviously it stuck with me. And it's just a few simple words. You are not your code, right? So the code that you write is just a thing. It's a byproduct of your work. It's the implementation of a feature idea that you came up with or that you implemented but it's because code is bad doesn't make you bad. Like going into a code review, this is right. <laughs> going into a code review, this is really helpful to keep in mind, right? Like maybe it's bad code, but that doesn't make you a bad developer. It just needs to be improved, right? You cut a corner that shouldn't have been cut or, you know, whatever you needed to learn more. And I think the same can be applied here, right? Like it's, it is always going to be part of who you are that it's, you are a part of the application's legacy and the application is part of your legacy. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, Ben. So, I mean, it sounds like you're at an inflection point in your career. And, and so this would be a good opportunity for you. I mean, do you want to just keep doing the same things you're, you're doing and have been doing in the past? Or has there ever been a desire, you talk about how you like working with the customer, to be more customer facing and unless a hands-on keyboard. I mean, because it, it seems like the, the people are in the organization are asking you this because they recognize your value and they want you to be happy. So has there been any other roles you ever thought, you know what, I, I, I don't, I'm not doing that now, but I think maybe it'd be really cool if I could do that. If I wasn't writing code, what would I be doing? Is that what you mean? Well, I mean, not even writing code, okay. but it's like, just, is there any like different role that, that you I, think? I think part of why I love the role that I'm in right now is because I have, I think as an engineer goes, I'm particularly good at talking to customers and being enthused about what they say and being able to take the ideas that they have and try to turn them into some sort of a solution, trying not to immediately think of the solution the moment they start talking, which I know is very challenging sometimes. <laughs> but I think as, as much as I don't like people, like I love customers and I like talking to them, but I, I have noticed I have like an hour of meetings a day, typically in a work day, but then some days I'll have like five hours of meetings and it destroys me. Yeah. And I will talk to managers and they talk about how like they have like seven straight hours of meetings every day. And I literally can't imagine how you get out of bed <laughs> in the morning. I couldn't like, do I, it. I, yeah. It's just not what, it's not what sparks joy. Mm-hmm. So I, there's something, I think I need to have code in my life. I need to be writing code. And if I can have some customer facing access as an input to what I'm actually working on, I think that would be the power move. But I don't know if there's a role other than individual contributors that I would really get a lot of joy out of. I was going to kind of go down the same route to similar question, right? So not necessarily, is this the moment that you need to move up, but like, Long term, do you, when you retire, do you want to, you're allowed to change your mind over the course of time, of course, but do you want, (laughs) if you could make that decision now, would you want to be an individual contributor until the day you retire? Or is there going to be some inflection point in the future where you're going to want to step away a little bit? No pressure. Asking the hard questions. Dang it. If I did something different, I think it would I've always fancied myself a 
product manager. Mm-hmm. I have no formal training, nor have I ever led a product team. So the audacity <laughs> to <laughs> consider myself uh, any good at that whatsoever. But I, I love the idea of designing a product and formulating ideas and weighing trade-offs and moving through a minimum viable product to an actual product and getting customer feedback. There is something in there mm-hmm. that I find very magical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so um, to kind of put this in your own words here, right? So if instead of writing code, if you could work with the customers and find out what it is that they need, and then you write specs or something along that line, and you hand it off, and you've got 20 developers working for you, and they go and they write this huge product, you are doing pretty much the same thing. But now you have 20x output, or roughly, right? Yeah, I, in theory, I love it. I, I think I'm just emotionally, yeah, I'm not yeah. there yet. I feel like to other bad metaphors, like there's still fight left in this dog. <laughs> yeah. so, okay. So it sounds like you're thinking of moving up to anything other than I see as sort of like being put out to pasture. Oh, I'm, I'm Adam. Piece, but I, that's my interpretation of the way <laughs> he's describing it. It, 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 yeah. <laughs> you can make Ben cry, wow. Adam. Adam. Oh. I, I, I tell you, Ben, I I struggle with this too. It, one one, if I had the ideal position for me personally, it would be kind of what you said about a, a product type person whose job is to build a prototype of an idea. Right, get get an idea, get that German of an idea, uh, and then talk to customers, see if there's appetite for that idea. And then building a prototype. And we rag on, well, I do rag on cold fusion a lot. It, it is a fantastic prototyping tool. It's, I mean, it's, you can do some really cool stuff really fast. Oh yeah. Um, and so prototyping something really quick and then seeing you know, how's that working out. And then, then you turn it over to a, a team that's going to build the, the, the end service, the real thing. That would be my favorite job because I, I like the new thing and building something new and making an idea come to fruition. Well, I'll tell you, as the whole legacy platform versus modern platform has evolved over the last year or so, one of the guys on my team, Sean Grigson, has been pushing really hard for my team, the Rainbow team, to be reimagined as what he calls the Labs team in V7, which would be very much a R&D. Right. Let's Mm -hmm. experiment with some stuff. Let's throw some stuff on the page and see what sticks. And as much as I think our organization has slowly started to open itself up to the idea of more experimentation and and faster iteration. I think culturally we're not there yet. And I think there's not enough, there's not enough openness to failure yet where I think there's always this sense that if we do something and it doesn't work out, that's a hundred percent waste of effort. And, and it's think, not that. It's so right. not that. And, and until we can embrace the idea of failure as a learning experience, I think we're not quite going to be to the point where people can just like willy nilly start to experiment. Just, with stuff. just tell them, think of all the R&D tax credits you'll get. For yeah, <laughs> let's, let him give you a lesson on it. <laughs> it's not a failure. It's a tax credit. <laughs> oh, man. I'll yeah, we actually have something called Clear Labs at Clear Capital. And they are very strong supporters of 
let's try this new thing. Let's try to figure out if we can even make a product for it. Let's see if we can acquire another product that does what we're thinking of and then put it in our system. Mm. So I love that we have clear labs and at any point I can go, I want to work on clear labs and just see what's going on for internal, external, and then go back to my team. It's really cool. But I imagine having talked to you, Ben, that, that what's happening is you don't have an official labs team. What you do is you have a bunch of skunk works, mm. right? Which I do all the time. I do something off the books. Yeah. And the next thing you know, it's like, Hey, we need this product. I'm like, well, actually I kind of got the prototype already done. Like, oh, wow. Cool. Well, hundred percent. And I think in one of the previous episodes, we were joking about how Adam likes to get customer feedback when he builds products. <laughs> and, I like quoted, to just, yeah. Yeah. and I like to just work in the dark, but uh, I, I work in the dark more out of necessity than I than out of I think it's the right thing to right. do. Because culturally speaking, we're not there yet. I have to not make a lot of noise. Ideally, I would love to be pulling customers in day one to get an idea of what we should be doing. But it's just it's it, <laughs> I hate to say risky, but like it's too risky to do that from a like personal standpoint of where I am in the organization. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you something. So it's something that, that the company that, that we work for, the parent company that, that bought us, they have this idea of initiatives. So customer initiatives, and it kind of takes the fear of failure out in the fact that if you can get, let's say you have a really good idea and customers are interested in it, but you get customers not only to say, Hey, I'm interested in this. They're willing to invest and share some of the financial burden of, of that. They're not, they're not paying for the whole thing. They're paying for a portion of it, right? For the added benefit of whenever this does come to fruition, they're getting a sweetheart founder's mm-hmm. price that they're mm-hmm. going to get that other customers won't. So, and I think that's the people that maybe don't like the idea of the labs idea are probably saying, well, it's too expensive or the risk is reward is not good enough. But if you can offset that with these are, we can get some investment in this. They might look at it a little differently, but that would take some, that would take some salesmanship to, to do that. Well, and, and I think not necessarily positioned as investment, but positioned as brand capital, so to speak. I think there is something magical about working with a customer, the customer having a problem, and then you actually go and do something Absolutely. about it. Like I know we have a, a technical account manager at TAM over at Amazon for all of our cloud stuff. And I'm a hundred percent sure if we said, Hey, it'd be great if Amazon web services did this, there would be no chance they would actually go and build that thing. Right. (laughs) But like if a customer comes to us and says, Hey, it'd be really great if there was a button over here that did this thing, I'd be like, all right, I'll build that for you. No problem. And to some degree, I feel like there's a lot of power that you can get from being a company that can actually respond to customers just in terms of their loyalty. I don't, yeah, you put, you put money in the goodwill bank, right? So, yeah. And so when there's, sometimes there's failures, you take some of that money out, but whenever you're doing things like that, it's money in the goodwill bank. Yep. Okay. It's all interesting. This stuff. is not at all how I thought this discussion was going to go. So when you gave us this sort of prompt about this episode, you, so what you said, was exactly, I quoted it here. They keep asking me where my place is in the company uh, in the future. I never know how to answer that question. And I was coming into this thinking we were going to have to give you like tough love. Like Ben, you have to be intentional about building your career. And I'm thinking you're kind of a timid person, which is not that I don't think anybody has that that mental picture of you when, when they look at you, right? You are a well-built, strong individual 
It's a teddy bear. You are a teddy bear. You look like hardcore, but you just want to squish you and hug you. (laughs) And yeah. And so like I was, I came in, I wrote notes down. I came in prepared to give you like some tough love. And we're about to parent you, Ben. Tough love. Well, okay. So if maybe there's somebody out there listening to this who needs this advice, right? So career building is a thing, right? You can come in and punch the clock and write the software to the spec that you're given and then punch out and go home. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what... It's not who but, we but are, The four of us, yeah. no. But you're right, right, right. the possibility, when you, if you assume that role, there's a much higher likelihood that life is going to surprise you, right? You're going to get laid off or you're going to get moved mm-hmm. to a department and have to do something you hate or who knows what. Intentional about your career building, for me, the way I look at it is like, I have sort of short-term goals and long-term goals, and I try to work those things backwards, right? So long-term goals, where do I want to be? Where do I want to be when I retire? And what can I set as short-term goals that will be like stepping stones for me to get there? And then for those short-term goals, what do I need to do from where I am now to get there, right? So sort of working backwards, all right? Like, so you want to have Thanksgiving dinner on the table at 2 p.m. The turkey's hot. The mashed potatoes are hot. The mm-hmm. And so how do you time everything? You have to work backwards from that, right? The turkey takes a lot longer to cook than the mashed potatoes. So you have to schedule things. And so I like that idea of working backwards. Like pick a goal and maybe my goal will change before I get there, but I'm being intentional about, okay, this is what I need to accomplish to get to that goal. And let me ask you yeah. a question quickly. And maybe this uh, completely unrelated, but I know that we have joked about in the chat to get your kids uh-huh. on a bus yeah. at 7.30 a.m., you're planning for that at 9 p.m. the day before. And like, do you feel that having kids has helped you with mm. longer-term thinking? Or do you think you've just always been a long-term planner and having kids is totally I think that, that having kids could be something that would help people that are not already long-term planners. But I personally have been a long-term thinker for a long time. I'm a terror. I, I can think like a week ahead of time. And anything beyond that feels very overwhelming mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And I mean, this is something I struggle with my kids. They are, they see whatever's right in front of their face and nothing beyond that. And that, that is moment, very difficult yeah. mm-hmm. when you're trying to motivate them to do something or to try to get them to learn a lesson. It's like, don't egg my shed because then somebody has to clean it up. Right. They're, they're just like, but it's fun to throw <laughs> eggs at the shed. <laughs> right. So. I, I will say I think having kids does help you with the long term vision planning because we're looking at Peyton going, dude, you're a junior. Yeah. You need to be touring colleges. You need to be studying for your ACT. You think that's next year. Well, yeah, next year is going to be here before you know it and you're not going to be prepared for it. So it does force you to kind of take the initiative to teach them those long term planning skills. So mm, I think yeah. it does help. I had a very similar conversation with my oldest a couple of nights ago at dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, that he has to go to college next year. He's 12. (laughs) Take the SAT now. Question, not that conversation, but the conversation, the sort of the meta conversation we're having here about planning, right? So I told him like, you're going into the seventh grade now. The, The number one thing you need to learn over the course of the next two years is how to learn. Girls are evil. No, that's a different, that's a social learning (laughs) school wise. (laughs) The thing you need to learn is how to learn because then you're going to high school and that's where it counts. That's what colleges are going to look at if you choose to go to college. You have to have performed reasonably well at high school to get into a college that you want to go to. And I told him about how I struggled because so growing up, I was the kid who did really well in school without trying. 
And so Mm -hmm. I coasted on that until about like 10th grade, somewhere around 10th and 11th. And then the subjects got hard. And just like that, I start, I dropped from like an all A student to like all C minuses and D's in like one semester. Because you didn't know how to study. You didn't know how to learn. And so that's what I was talking to him about. It's like, we got to figure out what works for you. And and he knows he has ADHD. Mm -hmm. And we talk about like, this is what's difficult for you. And how do we, how do we talk about writing things down, even though nobody else is writing it down sort of thing? Like whatever, Mm got to find what works for you so that you can be successful. And yeah, that planning ahead stuff. It's interesting. Um, talking about going from someone who just sort of naturally did well and then suddenly running Mm -hmm. into challenges. One thing that I think is helpful for me is that everything feels a little bit hard. Like I, I, in programming, I don't like none of it feels natural to me. And, and I work really hard at trying to understand and I'm constantly trying to think about how to improve stuff and, what am I doing wrong and and seeing other people's stuff and trying to, once I get past the imposter syndrome, like how can I then actually learn from what they're doing? And, uh, that's awesome. I, I think because a lot of it feels challenging all the time. It, it like the learning aspect doesn't worry me. I love reading documentation. I'm like, <laughs> I'm one of those people who, when I want to learn something new, like the first thing I'll do is open up the documentation and read it from end to end just to like, know what's going on, what's out there, what are the possibilities. So I don't know. I, to some degree, like I was never a great student. I was sort of like a mid good student and, and I think that's helped me a lot. In I that think way. so too. Yeah. I mean, programming is such a complex activity. If you so come complex. at, come at, come at it with a, with a attitude of overconfidence, you're going to fail. Oh, and your software is going to fail. Yeah. <laughs> you both gonna are going to go down. The, the the times when I thought I I just had it all figured out was the the projects that just totally they crap. burned they burned yeah. to the ground yeah if I was terrified it might have went okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. so so what other tough love did you have anything I think that was the majority of it oh so I was going to talk about uh, one of the things I was considering was there was a possibility that you were afraid of leaving your current role because it meant giving up uh, working on Cold Fusion CFML stuff. I am also, I, that is a very real. And one of the things I was going to say is like, it is totally reasonable to decide to go out and do like consulting, right? There's going to, there are a ridiculous number of companies that have a crap load of CFML code and they need somebody to maintain (laughs) it. And the better you are at it, the more you can sell that and you can make top dollar Mm. doing that. The problem with that approach that I have personal experience with is all of their code is awful. Because <laughs> it's not maintainable. Right, the people that yeah. no longer work yeah. there that wrote it. Wrote, they left yeah, for a reason. Exactly. So, being be, be a contractor is less about writing code and more about lining up jobs yeah. and selling yourself constantly, yeah. which is yeah, hard. Yeah. And that's that is definitely yeah. not my skill so, set. But it's. A, no. I mean, if that if what was important to you is staying with CFML, then there's ways to do that, even if it doesn't mean staying at Envision. What else? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll tell you part of me. I'm I'm worried that part of me will always go to the next language and then compare it to Cold Fusion and be like, your your language choice is stupid. Like this would have been so much easier in Cold Fusion. Like I wouldn't have to query. 
worry about passing around pointers and dereferencing pointers and allocating memory. Like, this is stupid. Like, the language should have just figured this out for me. And I'm, I'm worried that I'm not going to get past so, that. You will. You'll get past I want to remind it. you of something that Adam Lehman said. And you may not have been there when he said it. Or, or I was at a presentation that... Adam Lehman, former product lead for yes. Cold Fusion. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just want to make sure we're all talking something about Something he first. said... Go ahead. Not director of... A, a product director. director of products. Yeah. 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 He said, you don't truly know a programming language until you can name 10 things you hate about it. Mm. <laughs> Yo, totally. I like it. And that obviously these things stick in my head that resonated with me. And even though I never programmed it, I must know <laughs> react then. Cause I can, name, I, can, I, can, I can name 10 things right now. It's, not a, it's a qualifier. It's not the only qualifier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> Tell me you're old without telling me you're old. <laughs> right. Damn, yeah. get off my lawn that that seems like a good place to end it okay yeah, that was so good. and the ben you are amazing and anywhere I, you land you. you will fit into a team I, so. I i i know it's just it's scary and it's unknown and, and all those and, things are okay yeah. and we'll be here to have your back you Thank it's part you. of it's part of growing up, buddy. You got this. <laughs> yeah. The older I get, the less I know what I want to do when I grow up. I agree. I actually completely agree with yeah. that. That's well put. Yep. Thanks. I stole it off someone on Twitter just recently. <laughs> nice, nice. What was the thing we did? It was like if you heard it here, you heard it second. <laughs> <laughs> if you steal it from me, you stole twice. <laughs> all right, all right. This episode of Working Code was brought to you by being promoted out to pasture. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> listeners like you. If you like what we're doing here, you might want to consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash working code pod. Uh, new this week, we have a new patron, Sean. Thank you and welcome aboard. Hey, Sean. And to thank our patrons for their support, everybody gets an invite to our Discord server where we hang out and chat about the podcast and work stuff and life stuff and our triumphs and fails of everyday life. And we have other perks available like early access to new episodes and the after show. Of course, we need to thank our top patrons, Peter and Monty. Thank you guys so much for your support. If paying for podcasts isn't your thing, no worries. We appreciate you just taking the time to listen. And here are some free ways you can help us out too. Uh, You could share the show with your friends and your coworkers. You could leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those would be really helpful and beneficial. And you know what else would help? You could send us your questions and your show topics on Twitter or on Instagram at Working Code Pod, or you could leave us a voice message at 512-253-2633. That's 512-253-CODE. We'll catch you next week. And until then, your heart matters. And Ben, <laughs> your heart matters oh, twice as much. Yes. Uh, I'll second that. Then who? Y'all are great. Me? <laughs> Everyone. Just this week, though. <laughs> Just this week. All right. You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code. Oh my God, she just like wants to go up there so bad. She wants to be on the show, Ben. Oh, come here, Bubba. You want to say hi to everybody? She pees on you. Hello. Hey, Lucy. It's Lucy, right? Yeah. 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 Hey, Lucy. No, no. Oh, my God. And her little hoochie is wet. I can feel it on my arm. (laughs) (laughs) She's a dirty girl. (laughs) Tim, we told you. I know, right?
I, I have to pause yep. here for a second because my dog like really wants to get up into her pee pee bed. So I'm just going to let her do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lucy. Oh. This episode of Working Co. was brought to you by Lucy's pee pee bed. Yeah. <laughs> it's not by her. Dogs who pee on yeah, things. It's not by her hump rug or. Oh my God. <laughs> she's such a doofus. <laughs> and now she's but sniffing she's around. Your- like, oh, why does it smell so weird up here? <laughs> okay. So. So I was looking at the doc and you were reading off everything and I couldn't see like the last little two bullet points. And I was like, man, Adam, why don't you just scroll? And I was like, oh, (laughs) it's mine. You're not like screen sharing this. That's funny. (laughs) I was like, why don't I just scroll? 